0: All right, all set, here we go. Parents don't
1: have to have all the answers. Do you know what you're interested in? Do you know what you want to do? And quite simply, you get a yes or a no.
0: If you want to be better tomorrow than you are today, and if you want to be better next year than you are this year, then join the army, because we have got those opportunities. Be the best, because that's our motto.
2: The value that they get in the workplace... Kind of elevates that level through eighteen, nineteen. We, we, we years old. We're sending apprentices to basically anywhere on the on the globe. I think we've covered just about every continent with apprentices visits.
0: Hello, I'm Rachel Burden, and welcome back to another episode of the Parent Perspective Podcast, brought to you by Amazing Apprenticeships and Not Going to Uni. Now, this podcast is all about giving you, parents and carers, everything you need to know to help your children navigate those difficult choices when they get to the end of school or college. So, that's anything from apprenticeships to technical education, it might be work experience or traditional academic study. But whatever it is that your child is considering, we've got great advice for you. You can find us on the Amazing Apprenticeships website or wherever you get your podcasts from and you'll find conversations about all of this too on social media. Now this episode is the first of three in Options October. In later episodes we'll focus on post 18 choices and retraining but in this episode it's all about the options open to young people post 16 after their GCSEs and I'm delighted to say my guests today are Lisa Kappa MBE who is principal of Stoke College and Laura Hussey who was formerly a teacher and now works in SEN. Lovely to have you both with us. Uh, Lisa let's start with you, tell us a bit about Stoke College and how long you've been there. Well good morning and first of all can I just say
2: congratulations on the podcast and the fantastic resources from Amazing Apprenticeships So our colleges use those resources because we are a general further education college based in Stoke-on-Trent and also serve the county of Staffordshire. And we have around 2,000 young people aged 16 to 18 that come to us every year, and around 5,000 adults who also come to the college. And our aim is all about progression. So this is a great opportunity for us to share all of our thinking and support that we give to our students on making those choices and options, particularly at age 16.
0: Fabulous. And what about you, Laura? Tell us a bit about your experience in education and where you are now.
1: Hi, thanks ever so much. Um, Yeah, so I have been a secondary school teacher for 20 years and for the sort of last five years of those, I was a SENCO um, and became very involved and interested in working with young people and families um, with SEN. Um, I now work for a Hertfordshire County Council funded organisation called DSPL7 and basically we support um, professionals and also families, young people um, who have SEN um, with training, signposting, you know, and um, all sorts of things really. Um, And I'm also a mum to two children who one has just gone through college and one who's in year 11, so about to make all those decisions. So it's a really important topic for me.
0: Absolutely. First of all, then, Laura, tell us from that perspective um, what it's been like guiding your own children through these choices and what different things you've had to consider.
1: Yeah, it was really um, difficult. So for my daughter, she's just gone off to university um, to do an art based subject. And she was in that cohort that was in year 10 when we sort of hit the pandemic. And so her year 10 and 11 was very disrupted and initially she desperately wanted to stay in sixth form which I think was because she was just so scared of leaving her friends and and her friends were staying in in the the school sixth form and um we also knew however that um so she has dyslexia that potentially A-levels would be really tricky for her um and I was really proud of her actually because we 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 had to do all the um visits and things online everything was online then so we couldn't even go and have a look around the college and sort of get a feel for it which i think is really important so we sort of watched some videos for the local college um, and actually we ended up applying really late because she'd applied for her school sixth form doing two a levels art and photography and also sociology and then in May, she suddenly went, I think I don't want to do A-levels. I don't want to write essays, mum. I want to go and do art. And so we put in a late application for college. And at the time, I just said to her, you don't have to decide now. Um, you, let's wait and see how you get on. And then, you know, see if you have a choice or whether, you know, only one of those options is available to you. And fortunately, she did really well. She had a choice. Uh, of sixth form or college but actually i'm really proud of her because she chose what she loves over staying with her friends and it, it was the right decision for her um but i don't know if it will be for my, for my son so we're, we're sort of looking at that now do
0: you know i i'm right in the middle of all of this as well so i've got one year 13 currently at sixth form college doing a levels set on a very traditional route into academic study that would be my experience it's something i'm very familiar with um Went to uni, did a diploma after that. Now, my son, who's in year 12, has just moved to sixth form college. But actually, he's moved after just 10 days, which we can get into in just a moment. And he's um, at what I would say is more of a technical college now. Um, And I'm not even sure what he's doing. Now, that is a terrible admission to make, isn't it? So I'm going to get some help from Lisa here. But I just don't have that much knowledge about the, I, you think I should do from doing this podcast but um, about the depth of knowledge, I suppose, about the um, range of uh, course choices of, away from A-levels. So he is doing something which I think is called an extended diploma. Now, there is a lot of language around post-16 choices. There are T-levels, there are B BTECs, there are, well, level two, level three. Can you help me out here? Um, and it perhaps even let me know what my son's doing at college now, because that would be quite useful. Uh, absolutely. And I think you have
2: really um, raised a, a really important point there around uh, the knowledge that parents and actually some schools have about the technical routes into education. And it often comes as a surprise to parents that actually today, through taking a technical course or a vocational course, You can actually still progress to university if that's what's required for that occupational area. And you can come out with qualifications that are the equivalent of three A-levels. And of course, one of the problems we have in this country, um, unlike some of our European uh, neighbours, is that technical and vocational education isn't necessarily always held in such high esteem as the traditional A-level routes and going through to university and of course many people who run the country have done A-levels and gone through to university so trying to get across uh, the importance of vocational and technical education is one of the things that we work on here with our schools and our head teachers so that the teachers who are actually supporting and guiding students alongside the qualified careers advisors actually understand the landscape of technical education so to give you a little bit of a tutorial uh, rachel because i think that's what you asked for um there are at the moment quite a range of qualifications because uh there have has been the introduction of t levels and um, t levels are a new qualification they're the equivalent of a levels um they're a little bit narrower than the b which you may have heard of um and they are a little bit more academic so, they are bringing in a combination of um, skills, but also some academic type study. And they also use examination and a range of assessments um, at, the, at the end of the course and through the course. But also, what the T level has is a substantial work placement of 45 days. So this is really different in terms of the depth of that work placement. Um, It's more like you'd expect to see um, coming through a pre-apprenticeship or an apprenticeship route where you've got that substantial immersion in work. So the T levels are very new. They're a great qualification. At the moment, they are so new that everybody's getting used to them. And as always, there are teething problems. There's been some issues around some of the subjects and awarding bodies. But over time, they will get ironed out and there will be a broader choice of T-Levels. And the idea is that they become the gold standard next to the A-Level. And that although they are different, you have that parity of prestige with that brand of the T-Level. Now, of course, it is a little bit controversial at the moment because the BTECs have been a fantastic qualification and the equivalent to BTECs for a number of years um, but as we know they have really been the choice for students who haven't been able to get onto A-levels necessarily that's how they've been viewed re- not always the case, but that's how it, they've been viewed. And I think that by broadening the landscape and bringing in the T-levels, we are opening the eyes up of our school communities and our parent communities to see that there are different progression routes here. You can progress on university, you can go through to a degree apprenticeship, for example, from a BTEC or from a T-level, and actually These are very strong and valid qualifications for our young people in today's society.
0: Yeah, I think I've literally I've just been looking it up as you speak. I think what he's doing is a level three BTEC extended diploma.
2: That sound about right. So it is the equivalent of an A-level level. So um, although the uh, breadth and depth of courses at level three can differ, you know, that's a substantial qualification, it's equivalent to three A levels, and that is going to give him a real platform uh, to either go into a degree apprenticeship, uh, to look at university courses in the area that he's studying, studying, and also potentially go straight into work and join a training programme through uh, an employer who will further invest, hopefully. Um, But what's most important is the choices at these different stages. So when he's finished his extended diploma, having another really good look at the different routes and choices that he could now take um, in order to get to the thing that he most enjoys. And we all want to wake up in the morning and go to work and be happy and enjoy what we're doing. And different things, you know, float different people's boats, don't they? So it's finding that thing that he wants to spend his time doing and what's the best route to get there. And, of course, getting the advice is is also tricky um, because, as I've said, the landscape changes. It's understanding the finances behind that as well. You know, do you need a loan? Is it um, something that's supported by an employer? All of those factors can really help with those choices depending on your personal circumstances. Um, But listening to Laura and yourself, I can also say that I have... um, two young people, one age 20 and one age 16 and have also been on that journey and in fact we've just changed qualifications as well. Uh, It took a few days. Um, I think as mum my gut feeling was that I knew that the choice was wrong but actually wanted to respect uh, what my son was trying to do and he then realised actually you know his natural ability and um, natural love of, of other subjects Uh, was really where he should be so we were confident enough to make that change and he's a lot happier now yeah but I do understand the angst that uh, particularly parents go through I think uh, because you want to do the best don't you you want to do the right thing for your child but also um, Rachel if I may I just also want to just talk about some of our students in schools where they haven't necessarily got um, that level of parental support either because there isn't the confidence or they don't know or perhaps we've got young people in the care system you know or who, who uh, are in a range of different circumstances and therefore the work that colleges like ours can do with schools at the moment I think is really important um, around careers and um, I know the government scheme around the six encounters as it's called I think Robert Holfen talked about that on one of your research recent- Podcasts. You know, the idea with the encounters is that at a younger age, in primary and in secondary, students are getting exposure to the world of work and looking at different occupations. So, you know, if you take something like health, which could include childcare, care, nursing, medicine, you know, it's a really wide ranging area. And how can we exposure people to all those different career routes within that sector? And then when they come to 16 and they've got to make those choices, they've at least had a go, they've got an idea, they understand the different routes. So um, we're really keen uh, to work with schools and teachers and head teachers on demystifying some of the areas so that they can also support those students and also know about some of the things that are on offer, such as the bursary or the extra boost for young people in the care system, uh, which has gone up from £1,000 to £3,000 recently around the apprenticeships, for example. Um, So, yeah, so let's forget about, you know, those students who don't necessarily have parents who who are sort of trying to um, work it out because they haven't got the uh, resources
0: to do so. Yeah absolutely it's such a good point and actually I think at this junction in their lives I mean he he did have options and has chosen to, gone to go down a more sort of technical route and as you say we have been doing a lot to break down the stigma or I suppose maybe less stigma more lack of awareness around different kinds of post-16 choices here on this podcast so I was Um, absolutely at ease with whatever choice he was making, knowing that that would give him a lot of opportunities further down the line. Um, But I think it's really important, Laura, to remember the breadth of options particularly for children with additional needs you talk about your daughter but you have great experience in that yeah
1: so my my current role mainly is actually working with young people with SEN and their transition so school the local schools in the region we support uh, refer young people to me who they think are going to struggle with that transition and actually um what we ask is that those are young people who don't have any HCP so kind of like the layer below who perhaps might get lost when they move from their secondary school where they've been for five years um, and one of the things i've learned is there's a huge amount of um sort of support when they move from primary to secondary but i think sometimes um secondary schools i really like the point point um, that was made about working with the secondary school when you do that transition to post-16 because it's incredibly daunting um very often the colleges are serving quite a wide area so a lot of the people that I'm working with some of those anxieties are actually even just about transport how are they going to get to college um and helping them with that um and you know as we talked about bursaries um and also just raising their but a lot of what I do is just um raise their profile in the college with the staff so that um they don't get lost, but obviously I'm working only with a small proportion of young people in the little region that I'm in, um, and so it, you know, it, I I personally worry sometimes about what the, I don't know what the national picture is about support in that transition from from secondary to post sixteen. What I would say is that. Um, there's that is just to back up that thing that there's so many options out there um for young people who haven't enjoyed academic success um thus far. Well, I was just gonna say that actually, because this can be a real turning point in a child's yeah. experience
0: with education. Quite often you'll have children who just don't fit into the conventional structure of the education model. And actually it can be completely liberating. It's quite exciting. I know it's daunting for a lot of teenagers, but suddenly they might find themselves in a classroom or a workshop or a training environment where they're like, oh, this is where I fit, this is where I thrive. So it's it's a wonderful moment in, in the life of a 16 year old for some, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more actually. And I think this is something that further education colleges do so well. Um, because at this college we also have our adult cohort of students that I've mentioned and also quite a large number of apprentices and what that's done for our college is it's made it more like a workplace or a place of work rather than uh, you know less like a school environment which obviously have to be more regimented um, because they're dealing with lots of young people and it has to be very very highly regimented in the college you know we've got a different rhythm to the day we are, we're open till nine o'clock several nights a week um we've got a different mix of people um working and uh moving around the college and therefore it does feel much more mature in terms of the environment for 16 year olds so our behavior here is exceptional as a result of that um because the norming is much more about it being place work and so the standards are there for you know it's a different environment and our standards are high.
0: So I was just going to say Laura I also think that when you give children at this age more agency they tend to respond to that they're at a time in their lives where they don't want to be babied anymore and hopefully they're doing as we've said course options of things that they're really genuinely interested in so it does change the tone of everything around education doesn't it?
1: One of the things I've been really impressed with in my role as well is that um The colleges that I work with, once they've got that young person in, a bit like you've mentioned with your son, sort of changing course, I've really noticed that you know sometimes, obviously, young people get there and realise, ooh, actually, this course isn't what I thought it was going to be. But I've really got a sense that once they're in, they kind of take ownership of that young person and um, help support them to find another course there. And that's where the the breadth of courses can, you know, be so helpful. Um, You know, and let's not forget that certainly the colleges I work with, they've got the BTECs, they've got the T-levels, but they've also got A-levels in a lot of situations. So for some people, they just want to be in a more relaxed environment. They can wear what they want. They very often in the colleges, they use first names. So... You know, they certainly all the young people I work with all just call me Laura. I finally got rid of the myth, and um, it's uh, it just feels more adult, and that just suits some people. So, one the, I I run a couple of information evenings for uh, parents each year, each year, just locally, um, with a focus, and it's just called "What are the alternatives to A Levels?" Because um, you know, it's it is what we talked about earlier. It's just awareness. And I I always try and talk to the schools and the young people and the parents and don't talk about it as a plan B. I always just talk about, let's look at all your different pathways that are available to you. And, you know, obviously, if they don't know what they want to do yet, we just have conversations about not shutting any doors. So, you know, with this, you can still go on and, Do go to university if you want. But that message isn't out there yet. I do have some young people who are still not necessarily choosing what might be the best option for them because they're worried about letting their parents down, Um, which is really tricky, tricky. I think sometimes we underestimate how much young people do want to please their parents as well.
0: I think that, if I'm honest, I think that happened in our case with our son for, for his initial choices, even though we made all the right noises about, you know, we'll be directed by you. But I think inevitably we sort of said, well, how about this? And da, da, da. and um, yeah, and I think, I think you're right. He doesn't, on the face of it, appear to be someone who wants to please his mum and dad all the time, but maybe somewhere deep rooted there is. <laughs> there is that there. So it's really good that they feel that... There is some flexibility and they'll be listened to, I guess, kind of after making those decisions in, in whatever their learning environment is.
2: And I think we can help young people and parents with that as well by looking ahead a little bit and looking at the options and the progression routes that that choice can take them to. Because um, talking to some young people just yesterday, you know, their boldness in choosing the technical option or that you know, actually in this case, it was a finance qualification um their ambition you know is to be a financial advisor working you know that finance industry and actually the absolute best way of doing that is to get close to the industry is to get that extended work placement and to start understanding the business so that the learning that goes alongside it um is very valid and also highly motivational um you know as especially in terms of, you know, um, numeracy skills and getting, you know, different mathematical qualifications such as core maths to help help along with that industry. So I think there's something about the motivational aspect of this and also um, looking ahead to the success that can be achieved through those weeks. And we don't celebrate that enough.
0: Absolutely. I, I wonder if some parents and carers... Worry a little bit about if children choose to go to sixth form college, they've known the school for a long time, they've known the tutor maybe for a long time, the head or the deputy head. They're going into an environment where there's far less face to face interaction potentially between parent and school leaders and tutors and so on. I think probably mistakenly, parents might be concerned that the pastoral sort of wraparound care isn't there quite so much or that they won't be keeping an eye that kids turn up to lessons when they should because they'll have so much more freedom and again I'm learning that's absolutely not the case is it? Um, no not at all
2: um, I mean 16 to 18 education is statutory education and so it has Ofsted and all the key performance indicators that you have in schools as attendance levels Um, So, and and of course, the results are also one of the areas where those colleges are judged. So if you're not, if you don't attend, you don't learn. So whether it's a work placement or if you're studying in a workshop environment or in a classroom, it's all the same in terms of that um, approach. Um, And actually, at this college, we um, disproportionately invest in our pastoral team, our safeguarding team. We have a mental health counselling service. We have learning mentors for our students, and we also have um, behaviour support officers, which are not really dealing with behaviour. Um, it's more about safety and support, and picking up issues and making those links between um, different parts of the college. Because obviously, we are quite big institutions further education colleges so communication and getting links across the college is really important so they're sort of the glue around the academic and technical study Um, and that's one of the best that we've done is that investment because it really keeps us as a happy ship Um, and we know post-covid that there are gaps for people there are uh, more instances where young people are Um, talking about their mental health which is a good thing that we're talking about it but we know that there's you know some legacy from the pandemic so we've got to nurture and support obviously education is is the focus you know success is the focus progression is the focus but behind that we nice you know cradle of support uh so that young people don't get lost or fall through the net and Great if we were funded just a little bit better, so that we could do more. Because FE colleges really make a difference, and you know,
0: yeah. And I think in the media, we don't we don't talk about FE colleges enough. Actually, we talk a lot about schools, we talk a lot about unis, we don't talk enough about FE colleges. That's
2: right. And if you look at the numbers of um, young people that go through FE, and you look at the numbers in universities you know with and and you look at the numbers doing a level you can actually see that fe technical and vocational numbers are way bigger than people think and actually you know the government is recognizing that but there's a way to go in fully supporting the sector boost the economy to get young people's skills ready and to be future ready around
1: the opportunities that exist in in our different industries and sectors the other thing that I didn't even realise is I knew my daughter was going to go down an art route but she's actually like saved herself a full year because she did um the extended diploma at level three for two years she therefore had the breadth that meant she didn't have to do an art foundation degree before her degree so that's like saved her a whole year of her life and in the current um state of sort of post-18 education you know a year of cost um which is really really important and I think going back to the pastoral care and the the sort of the change from school to college as a parent I'll be honest it is terrifying because they do treat them much more like adults and so communication does go much more through the young person and I think sometimes as parents we struggle with that and obviously you still need to do the checkups, but actually it's great preparation if they are going to go off into the world and go to uni. It it does feel like a really good um, bridge to university. That said, I know that schools, uh, sixth form colleges which are in schools also try and increase that independence, but I think when you've been there for five years and you have those existing contacts with staff, it's hard. It, it's easier for parents to continue to use those same channels of communication and not let go to the same extent that you have to, if you if your child moves to a different institution. So it, I think parents have a job of work to do there as well around letting go a little bit, which for the young people and parents I work with is exceptionally hard because support for SEN has been so, uh, has, has to, unfortunately, again, coming back to funding has to be fought for in a lot of cases. So it's, it's, it's really hard for parents as well. Getting, getting that balance right, you know. So yeah.
2: Um, very often, you know, in the first year that people are with us, we will have uh, parents evenings, you know, uh, regular drop-ins for parents, um, and then we reach out to parents where we know there's issues um, or where or where more support might be needed. So, I think you know the institution is working with the parents to try and get that balance right. But as you say, it can actually be the making for some young people and that independent study, that independence of getting yourself to college, feeding yourself, you know, knowing when your assessments are. They're all workplace skills. So there is a real balance to be struck. But I I think for the um, special educational needs uh, group of students where they've got those additional needs, um, sometimes, you know, that can be uh, a different kind of relationship where that support is needed. So, you know,
0: some of this is is tailor-made, isn't it? Laura, tell me what success looks like for you with the students that you're supporting. When do you think to yourself, oh, I've done a good job there?
1: For me, success is when they're no longer messaging me to sort out uh, issues. So um, in year 11, I do a lot of extra visits to college and I... Very often support parents and also grandparents. A few of the young people I work with are, are, are being brought up by their grandparents, um, and to I sort of helping with meetings. And obviously, I've got a good knowledge of of what sort of reasonable adjustments would be in college, so I can help um, manage expectations um, and help communicate. But honestly, my job is done when I don't hear from them as much, and they're going to. The college staff. So, what I'm all I'm really trying to do is hand them over to the existing systems that are in place, um, and yeah. Then I and and success is is really uh, very varied. Um, the biggest difficulty the young people I work with face is probably the retaking of the English and maths, um, which is not obviously national and and has to be done, that's really problematic for them because sometimes, you know, in terms of GCSE, they may never get that. Um, So luckily at college, they can be doing functional skills, um, but that's a real challenge and also a real challenge when you're trying to get young people into an apprenticeship, which we haven't sort of touched on because very often, although there's an incredible array of apprenticeships out there and I'm so happy about that, um, they still very much often want them to have their English and maths and are more likely to select the person who has the English and maths so that's hard for my cohort but yeah just um so success is independence you know and progressing in their course whatever that would be and many of my students start at level one some of them start on entry level courses um so the colleges also do courses which they give different names, it might be called employability, it might be called life skills, it might be called pathways, which just gives them an extra year before they start accessing a mainstream course. Um, And those are fabulous generally, because they just are so looked after in those courses, and just it builds their confidence. Um, One of the big things is is the, the scale of colleges for young people with SEN. They're usually very large compared to their secondary school. Um, so I do a lot of getting used to the whole site, but what I think it would be good for parents and young people with SEN to know is once you're at college, actually, although the campus is quite large, your little daily life can is quite small, you know, because you, you, you're you with your people who've chosen your course, whether that's animal care, motor vehicle, um you know psychology in some cases and then maybe english and maths and maybe the canteen but you're not you don't need to access the entire campus you know it's you 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 end up with a nice cozy little existence hopefully
0: yeah that's actually really worth bearing in mind because it can feel overwhelming at first but you find your little community your your tribe within that don't you and and what what about for you lisa um uh, what metrics do you use to, to measure your success? And forget Ofsted, forget league tables. So
2: our, so our uh, business is all about creating successful futures, And we uh, really mark ourselves on our progression data. So in other words, when a young person or an adult's been through our college, that they progress to a positive destination, whether that's paid employment, university degree apprenticeship next level of course um that's what we are trying to do and we have a campaign called I am and we've got big posters all over college and it says things like I am a forensic scientist, I am a motor vehicle technician, Um, I am a construction surveyor. And what we try and do through our careers work um right at the start of courses through induction through Freshers Week is get young people to play with the I am and how they imagine their futures so that we can get that motivational learning going and that young people can start to identify themselves as a successful young person with a career choice. Um, and obviously they change it, but it's, it's having that confidence to imagine themselves. You know, I am a doctor, I am whatever. And, and through that, we really drive this idea of progression. So we have a lot of young people that progress internally with us, Um, which is brilliant because they obviously like it here because we keep them and we get them through to the next level. And then we have some fantastic partnerships with different universities, including our local universities, where we can get young people um, onto those courses who may not have even thought that they could do that. So um, our mission is is all about that. And we have some incredible case studies and stories um, of different journeys but I think the thing that I'm most proud of is our partnership between our teachers and our young people and adult learners. We have a very special relationship, different than what you have at school, um, and based on, on, that, on that future. And the um, commitment of our staff in, in getting that um, industry experience and expertise into our courses really makes a big difference for the motivation.
0: And just a final thought from both of you, from a parent perspective, from the caregiver perspective, if you have sort of any uncertainty around what is the right next choice for my child and should I be looking beyond school six forms, although you quite rightly say, Laura, school six forms offer great service as well. I'm not doing them down by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, get out there and visit them and maybe put aside any preconditioned notions you have and talk to the people who work there and obviously there are loads of open days there are virtual um events where you can get a feel for something but but you can also actually contact the college and and well certainly in our case you know speak to someone directly meet a tutor get a really good understanding of what the courses are about i think i think you're right rachel get the facts don't
2: work on assumptions or what you think you know Um, You know, get the facts on what the course is, you know, all the details of the course and where that course can take you and what your options are. And also uh, the student finance side of it as well for some people is very important and can make a difference. And you were talking about travel law as well for, for some individuals too. So it's really having a look at the actual facts and comparing them for the different options. Um, because, you know, young people will prefer different different ways of working. Some people can't wait to get in the workplace and an apprenticeship is an absolutely fantastic way for them to do that, although they're obviously quite competitive. Um, and then, of course, you know, others need a little bit more time to settle in, like you're saying, Laura, and, you know, want to do something first. And, you know, a level two qualification might be a really good way of doing that. Um, and then going on to do a level three and and upwards and onwards. So I think really don't work on assumption, get the facts, make your comparison. And also the people that know the young person best can often be, you know, a good way of of trying to sort of work out the choices because going with your, um, what you feel most comfortable doing, your natural abilities, you know, where your strengths lie um, is often (laughs) the the best choice. Um, you know, and and really building on the achievements of that young person to date. Um, So, yeah, don't be bamboozled by it, but just just get those those facts, um, look at those choices, take a bit of time, and then, uh, you know, and then talk to people that know the young person.
0: And what about from your perspective, Laura, where can people find
1: other Lauras around the country? I feel like everywhere needs a Laura. Do you know, one of my mums that I work with emailed the headmaster at the secondary school and said that it's very cute very Aww. very lovely um I I don't know if every region has um my role a post-16 transition coordinator for SEN I would say two things I'm a big believer in trusting the young person and also just taking a moment as a parent to just put aside your hopes aspirations experiences and and really focusing on what would be best for for your child um and remembering that you know life is um hopefully long and they can change their minds so don't panic too much about that first year at, at college and what they're doing because they can change you know um and i mean i trained to be a teacher when i was 30 you know it's you can we're all going to be working for a long time so don't panic about that first year let them do something they're going to enjoy they're going to feel comfortable i would recommend getting to the open evenings and open days at the colleges um and the sick forms obviously um if you're some of the people i work with find them a bit overwhelming so don't think that then you can't just contact the college and go when it will be quieter and someone, in my experience, will absolutely meet you and show you and your your child around if they can't cope with sort of big crowds of people and big talks um, and things like that. So, you know, get in touch and, and just talk to them, exactly, really um, exactly what, what's already been, been said. You know, it's um, I think it's really exciting. When I look through the brochures, and The opportunities and think about how narrow it was when I went to school. Um, I, I, it's incredible, you know. I, w- I want to go and do some of these courses that are out there, they sound fabulous. So, you know, and just, um, it, it, especially if you have a young person there, see, and do talk to the Senko at your secondary school and you know, if ask them to communicate with this, the um college as well I realize now I didn't do enough as a SENCO in a secondary school for my post-16 students um so I luckily in the other part of my role I get to work with our local SENCOs and I, I can I can you know bang that drum and say really really don't forget your post-16 transition so but it hopefully it's exciting scary but exciting to start on that journey sounds like you're doing an amazing job and we definitely
2: need more lauras and you know i uh, can not advocate enough for that sort of support for students yeah. we send coming into post 16 yeah
1: i i agree that it would be lovely to have more I mean, you know what it's like we just need more money don't we
0: more lauras more leaders Not both of you. Listen, that's brilliant. Thank you so much to Lisa and Laura. I think that's one of the most inspiring and perhaps from a parental perspective, reassuring episodes that we've done. Thank you to everyone for listening to this Options October episode of The Parent Perspective. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, you can find Amazing Apprenticeships on social media at AmazingAppsUK, or look for Not Going to Uni, which is at Not Going to Uni and just use the hashtag Parent Perspective. See you soon lovely stuff ladies thank you so much that was brilliant really really good